This week on the Second Act Entrepreneur Show, I am pleased to have Tracy Burnett as my special guest. Tracy is an expert not only in LinkedIn, but in marketing in both the corporate and the entrepreneurial setting. She is a wealth of information. We talk everything from recession to marketing tactics to defining your ideal audience. You will not want to miss this, this week's episode and miss all of the value and insights that Tracy shares. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey there, I'm Elisa Connor, ex-corporate marketer turned entrepreneur. And along the way, I made all the mistakes just so you don't have to. Chances are you have a pretty full career. You've got experience, expertise, and probably a whole lot of education. The problem is people can't find you. This is why each week on the Second Act Entrepreneur Show, we feature expert education, marketing insights, and mindset shifts that are going to help you create a profitable business so you can secure your legacy, ensuring that you thrive not only in your first career, but also your second act. Welcome to the Second Act Entrepreneur Show. Email marketing is the best way to captivate and enthrall your audience, as well as build trust with them. Yet, I've heard from so many people, it's so hard to write emails. Well, I'm here to tell you there are some fun and exciting things on the horizon that are going to help you do just that. But to get you started, I've created a brand new guide that helps you create that first sequence. It's your your welcome sequence, which basically is a hi, great to meet you. So good to know you. Here's a few things that might help you out kind of sequence. Yet people struggle with writing. I get it. It can be like banging your head on the wall or staring at a blank screen and going, I have nothing to say. And that stinks. So I've made it easy for you. You can get access to this guide for free over at alisaconnor.com forward slash email guide, all one word, and you can grab your copy today. So if you're struggling with writing that welcome series and you don't know what to say in those first few emails to build rapport and trust with your audience, you're going to want to go grab this guide. It was created with you in mind to make it easy for you to get this done in less than an hour. So go grab the guide today at alisaconnor.com forward slash email guide. And I look forward to seeing you in my inbox. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Second Act Entrepreneur Show. It is my great pleasure to have our guest with us today to um, talk about LinkedIn. I met Tracy Burnett on LinkedIn, so there's the power right there. Uh, (laughs) And she is phenomenal. Welcome to the show, Tracy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. I am so excited. And you'll um, be encapsulated by her fabulous accent to those of you uh, listening in the US because it's wonderful to listen to her. (laughs) Um, So Tracy, you and I met on LinkedIn and we've had multiple conversations and you really are the LinkedIn master. And so before you became the LinkedIn master, tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to becoming um, an influencer on LinkedIn and really helping people to grow their businesses on LinkedIn? What did you do before that? Well, I've always been in marketing, but I started off in corporate, as so many of us do. So um, I worked with Unilever many, many years ago, 40 years ago, so long time. And um, I ha- had various jobs in corporate and financial services, big bank, things like that. 
and then um, was director of a design consultancy. And then in the middle of a recession, decided that it would be a really good time to start my own business. Why? I don't know. But actually, I can tell you why. So the why is um, because I had this boyfriend at the time who had a really smart flat in um, a really nice part of London and drove around in a Porsche. So I just thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So that's why I started my business. Um, and I decided to move out of London. So that's when I had my um, my second act, I suppose. Uh, moved out of London, started my own business. Yeah, it was great. And it all went like an absolute dream. Um, yeah. So it was right out the gate. It was good. That's so thought. awesome. And I, I want to like stop you for just a minute because you kind of glossed over a really important uh, piece <laughs> of that story, which is you started your business during a recession. And I think people get afraid of that. And especially there's like a lot of economic uncertainty right now. People are a little bit leery and they're wanting to try new things, but they also are like, oh, the money thing is scaring me. So I just wanted to take pause really quick and say, um, Tracy did this and she's killing it. (laughs) And she did it during a recession. So uh, thank you. Yeah. So first of all, I had no fear. I mean, I didn't have any dependents, you know, yeah, I had a mortgage and all that sort of stuff, but I, I, I suppose I had no fear. And it was 32 years ago, so I was quite young. So firstly, I have no fear of recession. I mean, certainly now I do because I've, in the last 32 years, I've gone through it quite a lot, as you can imagine, or downturns. And I, in, in fact, it's also, I, I really, ha- I don't like anybody talking about recession because I just think, why are you worrying about it? The more we'll worry about it and talk about it, the worse the situation gets, you know. So, um, you know, I didn't have any, I didn't have any, um, you know, dependence or anything like that. So it wasn't a worry, but there's three things that are really important. And they're, they were important 32 years ago and they're important now. And this is the basis on really the process that I've been using that I use then and I still use today and teach today. So the first thing was, is that I had the right audience. And so I just come out of, if you think of my background, I had a number of years in corporate and I had a number of years working in a marketing agency and they did uh, a lot of design work. So annual reports, um, brochures, packaging, corporate identity, that sort of thing. So that was my background. And then the audience I picked, and in fact, I picked it because it was a recession, because what happened in the 80s, a lot of creative um, directors and designers had thought, these companies are making money hand over fist and I'm doing all the hard work, so I'm going to go and start my own business. So there was a lot of agencies out there who were headed by a creative person, so not a business, not necessarily a business head, a creative person, and it had gone really well in the 80s because, of course, there's plenty of business around. And then the recession hit and they were thinking, OK, this is starting to dry up. What's the problem? So in I walk and I say, look, I've worked for, you know, the top um, consultancy in England. I'm, I've been director of that agency. I've done new business. I've done account management. And also I've got corporate experience, the sort of, you know, I was... I was your client, you know, I know it from that perspective as well. 
And so from that, I could create a really good marketing message. Um, and I had a really good pedigree and I just hit on the right audience. And, and, and that's why I was successful. And that's why, you know, why I've stuck with that formula really is I always, when I work with clients, I always try and get exactly the right audience, exactly the right message. And it fits with not only their background, but what they want to do and what they're really good at. Well, and so I love that you're diving into your previous experience because that helped you align with your audience. What advice would you give to somebody that is not wanting to go with like an audience that say they have experience with say, for example, like I came out of the tech world I don't necessarily want to work with people in the tech world. How would you recommend one, like people figuring out who their audience is, but also how to find them? Like if you're wanting to go after, for example, therapists, but you don't have any experience outside of, you know, the tech world to work with therapists, how do you approach those people and how do you like get in front of them? How do you, you know, put yourself in front of them as an expert? Well, first of all, you need to pick something that, is you know you might not pick something that's really out there so you know I wouldn't pick somebody in oil and gas because I've got nothing you know I don't know anything about it I've never probably met anybody that you know I mean like zero so what I often talk about is people's sort of zone of genius so you've got if you think of you know all the experience and background you've got which we've just spoken about and then you also think about you know like for me, I'll give you me as an example, is that my, you know, my thing, if you like, is food. So anything to do with food, you know, eating it, shopping for it, cooking it, talking about it, reading about any, literally anything. That's my one passion. You get me started on food and I'm off. So you know, if I hadn't have wanted to work with creative people, what I might have done is actually work with, you know, with, with the food the food industry of some, you know, could have been restaurants, it could have been food manufacturing, it could have been anybody, because I know that industry, you know, I, I, well, I don't know it from that insider point of view, but I can talk passionately about it. And passion goes a heck of a long way. And, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm still and was then very familiar with, you know, what's going on in, in that arena. It doesn't matter, you know, in, in, in many different facets, might not be that deep, but that would get me through and get me started. I love that. And that's such great advice. And I think um, one thing that we kind of glossed over that we didn't talk about that is really, really important. And I know you believe in this too, is getting really clear before you start even jumping into the arena, who it is you're talking to. Because I mm -hmm. think a lot of times people start a business and they're like, I'm going to help everyone. And <laughs> I think we would be in agreement to say, please, please don't do that. You can't. No, 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 no. Um, so try not to do that. I mean, I'm not saying never do it, but try not to do that. Because if you've got a, I mean, people talk about an avatar, but that actually is quite, you know, quite a good way of looking at it. Because if you've got somebody that you really want to work with, like it could be an old client, it could be somebody you've worked with, it could be somebody in your family, a friend or whatever, and you think, God, they would be my ideal client, you can really get a picture of that person in your mind. And you can, you know, you, we really need to understand what their pains and issues and challenges and everything are, and also what they want to achieve. Because, 
if we don't understand that, and I'm not saying guess it either, I mean really understand it by researching and talking to people, if we don't understand that, then we're not really going to be that successful because, you know, as a business, we're trying to bridge that gap between, you know, where they are now and where they want to be. Yeah. So so that is absolutely, you know, absolutely crucial. I agree. Um, and and then that, you know, leads us right into the next topic, which we were going to talk about is, you know, creating really clear messaging for those people. And you kind of touched on a little bit when you talked about like doing the research to figure out who those people are. I mm. think, tell me if I'm alone in this, but I think that's probably where people really get stuck when it comes to getting clear with their messaging is they aren't clear about who they're talking to and they haven't done the research to figure out what are they struggling with? Where are they at in their business? And they just kind of create some generic messaging around what they want to put out there versus what those people are actually looking for. What What are your thoughts on that? Oh God, so many. I mean, how long have you got? I mean, yeah, you need to get the messaging right. So unless you're using the language that they actually use themselves, it's not going to resonate. It need you know, you need to get that sort of emotional connection. You need people to feel that you're in their heads that you really understand them number one um because it's so many things um messaging often we come at it from a from our point of view like if i just said oh i do linkedin you know i I train people on linkedin i mean that's not very exciting is it nobody wants to buy training they want to buy results and whenever I do research with my clients and I ask them what their biggest challenge is, there's only two answers I get. They either say finding clients or getting clients. And so that's the language I want to use. I mean, I don't particularly like that language, but, you know, I, I would have put it some, you know, differently. But, you know, you have to go back to the language that people use because that's what resonates. Right, right. And I think people, um, they either gloss over it or they don't pay attention and they're not listening. And so they don't know what language to use. And I think that's where the muddling comes when it comes to creating that message clarity, which ironically leads us right into the next topic, which, you know, we're talking about messaging. And a lot of times people think, oh, messaging is just what you put on your website or just what you might have in a in a signature talk or something like that. But when we're talking about messaging, it's something that we need to make sure is happening throughout our brand and that it's consistent. And so mm-hmm. can we touch a little bit about how that plays when it comes to LinkedIn and creating messaging over there and where where are the significant places to put that messaging and um, what are some ways that you can stand out because all social media at this point is pretty there's a lot happening over there and there's a lot of i would say noise and we want to be able to stand out from that noise again such i could give such a big answer to this question but it's all about doing the work in the right order if you've thought about your audience you've done the research you know the words that they're using you understand what their pains issues and challenges are you know where they want to be and therefore it's much more easy to much easier to come up with what I call a client magnetizing marketing message and then that you just apply to uh, you know you apply to everything you do in terms of your website your your you know your your profile and you know you might not use it verbatim but from from the work that you do up front which is all about target audience and everything we've talked about with them 
um, you know, what your services or products are that actually help them, you know, that, you know, what's the bridge to get them from where they are to where they want to be? That's your product or services. So, so, you know, your messaging goes through everything. But when you come to think about what your content plan is, for example, you know, because really that is your, your content is your message in its wider sense, I suppose. And so what are your content pillars? So if you are a, an executive coach who um, specializes in financial services market, then, you know, your pillars might be, you know, the, the pains and challenges and whatever, you know, they have personally, you know, their marketplace in terms of financial services. It could be, you know, you might specialize in, you know, NLP or something like that. So one of your pillars might be NLP. Um, you know, so you come up with three to five things maximum that that you stand for, that you want to, where you want to somehow um, project your messaging. And so you work in within a framework, a loose framework, but a fairly loose framework when it comes to content. So for me, I just choose, I've got four, I choose um, what I call the Unshakable Business Foundation, which is audience messaging, positioning, products and servicing. So I can talk forever on all of those subjects. And then I've got like visibility and credibility on LinkedIn, and I've got a wide range of subjects I can talk about there. And then the final bit is, you know, is maximizing sales, how you take people from booking a meeting to actually getting their credit card details. And then my fourth pillar is just general marketing. So I've only been doing LinkedIn for six years. I mean, six years solid, but, you know, prior to that, 34 years, I did, you know, I've got a wide range of marketing experience. So, you know, that's what separates me in a way that I've got that LinkedIn piece, but I can look at a total business as well. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. Because you and I are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I don't have 32, but I've got 20 years of experience in marketing and um, most of that in digital, you know, the last probably 15 years in digital. And then, you know, <clears throat> my specialty is email. And so, yeah, like we, you have mm -hmm. to understand the full picture before you can help people with a specific thing. I think you, you it, LinkedIn is yeah. just one piece of the, of the wheel. It's just one spoke of the wheel. And just like email marketing is one spoke of the wheel. So it's really, I'm really glad you pointed that out because I think a lot of times people hire experts that are like, Hey, I'm an Instagram expert. They don't know anything about marketing. They only know about Instagram. And so that's really doing a disservice to the business yeah. owner because they're just focusing on, on Instagram, but they're not focusing on the rest of the journey. Like people only spend a flash on that one platform, but if they're not in your ecosphere, as I like to refer to it, and you're not staying in front of them in that ecosphere, it's really hard for them to move forward and become a paying client. Yeah. And that definitely, that definitely happens on LinkedIn. And there's no point in going hell for leather and spending 24 hours a day on LinkedIn, seven days a week. If you've got all your messaging wrong, you've got your target audience wrong. It's a pointless exercise. And then, so, you know, and then there's no point in getting meetings if all those people are just the wrong people. Right. And so, you know, I, I did actually speak to somebody once when I first researched this years and years ago. And he's and I spoke to him because he was using somebody to help him with LinkedIn and his calendar was full of meetings. 
And he had a really cheap product, like $99. And he'd, he'd have five, six, seven calls with people every day and he sold nothing. And this silly person, as he was, he was just, he thought he'd reduce his price rather than, I mean, not, you know, seriously, you know, you just want to bang the person's head against a wall. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I run into the same thing and it's, it's almost never about price. Like, that's the thing It's like, people always think, oh, it's the price is too high or this is whatever, but it's almost never about that. It's that you haven't done your job of answering all of their questions and alleviating all of their fears around the purchase. And so yeah. I'm really, really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And people often, you know, the other question people ask themselves is, can I do this? Because it's not just, do they believe in you and you can get them there? You know, it's, and it's a very valid question, actually. Can I do this? Because unless you do your part, doesn't matter who you're working with, unless you do your bit, it's, it's never going to work. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's your business, not, not yeah. somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I could get really granular and literally show people exactly what to do from step to step if I need to. But unless they follow through, you know, like if you take content, there's no point in doing one post every month or yeah. doing one post and saying, well, I didn't get any engagement. So that doesn't work. Right. It's work like that. I think, you know, I know it's not a very sexy marketing message, but, you know, I think, you know, I have to call myself straight talking and I am straight talking. I just think, unless, you know, unless you're going to do this, that's, that's, you're not going to get to your goals. Right. I agree. Yeah. I'd rather not work with somebody unless, you know, unless we were really clear about what their goals were and what they were going to do to actually get, get them to where they want to be, because otherwise it's pointless spending the money. Exactly. Um, so let's dive in a little bit because you and I are big believers in relationship marketing and we are big on connection and LinkedIn is a fabulous platform to make that happen. Um, you can have it happen on any social platform, but what I see more often than not, and me being the email inbox queen, like now I see this huge uptick and we had a conversation about it yesterday of people that just think that they have the right to come into your email or your direct messages and pitch their stuff. And yeah. so my question for you is one, how do we avoid that and avoid doing, you know, being that person? And two, how do we create authentic connections and relationships with people on social media? Okay, so so the the biggest no no really is just to connect with somebody or or message an existing connection and just say hi. I've got this thing. Do you want to do you want to demo? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to buy it? Do you want to book a call and give them all the links? I mean, it's that's just like oh god no, disconnect. You know. So again, if you're really clear on who you're working with, that avatar then um and what your messaging is and you you're in the mindset that you are going to you want to develop relationships you and you want to engender that no like and trust factor then you know you have to give without any thought of return and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't i mean i get quite a kick from giving anyway so it doesn't really bother me particularly but you know i i never contact people and think oh can, you know, you know, when can I pitch them? That's never my intention. And so how can you do that? Well, 
maybe before you even connect with them, you look at their profile, you look at their website if it's B2B, you look at their content, if they write any content, you comment on their content, you become sort of, you know, visible in the, you know, in a very low key way. So if you've commented on their posts over the two, three, three weeks or longer, then and then you ask for them to connect, then they're much more likely to connect because they know that you're supporting them. And then with the messaging, don't go straight in there with a, you know, do you want to buy this or let's have a call? So, you know, I've got a particular sort of process really, but I always ask what, you know, how I can help them. Essentially, that's the bottom line. Um, and then we start a conversation in the in the inbox. Yep. And those, those are all really like, it seems like it's such common sense stuff, but the great majority of people don't do it. And I think that's a huge differentiator between those who use LinkedIn as a tool for marketing and those who use LinkedIn for, I don't, I don't telemarketing, like, I don't know what word to stick in there, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest um, hurdles is knowing what to write. So what, what to write in a message or what to write content or they're, they're just not very confident or they're worried about rejection. So it's all these sort of mind games that, you know, we run through our head. So that's my job to get people over that, over that hurdle. And you know, it can take some time, but practice makes perfect. I wasn't perfect in the beginning. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about LinkedIn. You know, I did three, about three training courses and just took the best of those and mixed it in with my process that we've already talked about. And I went from there. And if I look at the messaging that, which often I do come across, um, that I did a few years ago, I think, oh, God, no. You know, and of course, times change as well. So, you know, six years ago, there was there was lots of activity on LinkedIn, but there was not much spamming. And now the spamming has got really bad and people have got, you know, well, a lot's happened in six years, hasn't it? You know, in the world. And I think, you know, we're moving more and more towards personal relationships. I 100% agree with that. 100%. Yeah. So it was like falling off a log six years ago. Now it's, you know, just, just takes a different process now and consistent and consistency, keeping at it, taking the action. I mean, God, I know boring, but you know, so true. Right. Well, and I always, I, when I talk about messaging and connection with people, I always use the analogy of a cocktail party. Like you wouldn't walk into a cocktail party and start talking to someone and say, here's my business card, call me, we should do business together. You would never do that. You would have a conversation about them. Um, How was your family? What do you do for work? Do you have any outside interests? And we have these like natural conversations. And I think on social media, people try to skip over that connection and authentic relationship building. And you are absolutely right in that one, it never went away. Um, I think it was just, we were trying to find our way on social media for a long time. Mm. And two, it's always worked to have authentic connections. But one other thing I wanted to point out, and then we're going to, I want to dive into one more thing um, with you is that I, there's this misnomer in the world on both social, social media, email marketing, all this stuff is that you have to have 
thousands and thousands of people that you're connected to, to make money. And so I would love for you to address that um, falsehood, (laughs) for lack of a better term. Mm. Okay, so um, you don't need loads of people, you need the right people. So, so often on LinkedIn, you know, you, you see people that got 15,000 connections, 60,000 connections, and then you look at their content and they get practically zero engagement. So, you know, why is that? And the reason is, is that, and it could be historical, you know, now, well, I won't go into that, but, you know, histo- if you've been on LinkedIn for a number of years and, you know, things have changed on LinkedIn now, but it was easier to build your connections. So, if you've if you've got loads and loads of connections, then say go back to my executive coach who works with high level people in financial services. You know, if you've got sixty thousand, seventy thousand connections, but they're not exec, they're not um, high level people in financial services. They're you know men with one leg, women with three arms, or whatever. And there's a v- wide variety of different people. Then as soon as you put out a piece of content. You know, LinkedIn, the algorithm shows it to a very small percentage of your network. So if, again, this executive coach and she's got, you know, the three armed women and the two legged men and only one of the high level people from financial services, that post isn't going to get much engagement. So if it doesn't get much engagement, LinkedIn won't bother to show it to anybody else. And you can imagine if you had you know, this is not possible, but, you know, 100% of your target audience in your connections and, you know, a small percentage of them were shown one of your posts and you've written it for your target audience, this is why audience is important, then you're going to get much more engagement and therefore it will show it to more of your connections and then it gets more engagement. So it shows it to your first, more of your first connections and their first connections and so the ball gets rolling. Um, so I, I'm just a believer in quality over quantity. And, you know, so many times, you know, because obviously I keep tabs on all of this. It just it just works. Yeah. And I love I love that. And it does work. And I've been around you now. Like, I can't remember exactly when we got introduced, but I want to say it was either at the beginning of this year or late last year. And Mm -hmm. so I've had the opportunity to kind of observe you in action. And it's really true. And I come from that same background of, you know, connecting. And it used to be like face-to-face or belly-to-belly, as they say, connecting. But you can do the same thing on social media. And so my last question for you before I let you scooch out of here, or maybe the second to the last question is, you know, when we're looking for those people that we want to connect with. So we might have like a bunch of connections from, say, our previous life that, was in corporate or previous jobs or whatever, but we really want to connect with our new target audience. Where can we find those people? What do you What do you recommend people do when they are wanting to connect with specific people on LinkedIn? Okay, so um, firstly, you need to be very clear about your audience uh, if you haven't got the message by now. Um, so as soon as you know who it is, then there's a number of different things you can do. So firstly you could subscribe to Sales Navigator and you could search for those people on Sales Navigator and get yourself long, long lists of people who are in your target audience. You could um, take one person, maybe an influencer in the market or a thought leader or somebody that's got a lot of connections that is in that particular marketplace and look at their connections if they don't make them private. 
or you could look at the groups that they belong to. So again, going back to my example of the executive coach, us looking for high level people in financial services, you know, she, he could look at, you know, um, an ideal client that's got a lot of connections on LinkedIn, look at their groups and find people that way. Or you can just search for groups. So in the search bar, top left-hand side, you could put, I don't know, leaders in financial services or just start to type different things that relate to your audience. And you might find a group that is, you know, leaders in financial services. And so you join that group. And in theory, if you, you're joining groups that attract your ideal audience, that group, those groups should have at least some of your ideal audience in. And then the beauty of that is if you're both group members, you can connect with first, second, and it's all definitely first, obviously, second and third connections and people outside your network because you're in a group. Um, or again, you need to train the LinkedIn algorithm. So whatever you do on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's going to give you more of it. So if you start connecting with with certain people, you'll start to get certain people recommended to you. You'll start to see more of those people in your newsfeed because they've written content. Then you can look and see who's commented because the chances are that the people that comment on your ideal audience's posts are their peer group or connected to their peer group. So if you want to do it for free, i.e. not use Sales Navigator, then you just have to be a bit of a sleuth, really. and um, and uh, find people through through your own research, but you know groups is an ideal one. Or again, if you've got people that you know that you know in in the market in, in the right target market, then you can just look at their connections, look at their posts, and you can start commenting on their posts because then people in the mar- in that target market will find you too. So that's Perfect. just a few. Those few are things. such great tips, and I think people. Um, often try to make it more complicated than it is. And so I love that you gave people the option for both a paid like upgrade to Sales Navigator or you can do it on your own. It's just going to take a little bit more ingenuity and time to do that. Yeah, and there's there's basic search as well on LinkedIn. So again, top left search bar, but it just doesn't give you very many fields. That's the only problem. But, you know, that's another way of doing it. And you're limited because it's the free version. You're limited about how how many um, uh, people, you know, uh, it'll return to you in the search. Awesome. Well, Tracy, this, this show episode has been so powerful and you've just really blasted us with a lot of value and information. So I know people are going to want to get in touch with you. What are the best places for people to reach out and connect with you and to learn more about what you do? Okay. Well, obviously LinkedIn, um, which is just linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Tracy Burnett. Um, or my website, tracyburnett.com. They're the two obvious places. Awesome. And I will make sure those are linked up in the show notes so people can just click on them and find you right away. Um, anything else that you want to leave the audience with before we wrap up today's show? Uh, yeah, I mean, just a bit of advice really, which is just, you know, decide on a path and, you know, be consistent and keep at it because things don't happen overnight. Oh, such great advice. And it couldn't be more true. (laughs) Well, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate your insights and your value um, around both LinkedIn and marketing. 
And in the meantime, if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend and help them out in growing their business. Until next week, I hope you take care, stay safe and be well. So there you have it. Wasn't that a great interview with Tracy? I hope that you found some value and some tidbit that you're going to go and try today because we can share all of our advice and our insights and our experience with you, but you have to put it into action. So I would love to know what you're going to put into action. If you want to come and share with me over on social media, the two best places to find me are on Instagram at Elisa M. Connor or on LinkedIn. And if we're not connected on LinkedIn, send me a connection request and let me know that you found me by listening to this podcast. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week and specifically a great Thanksgiving if you're in the United States and that you know that I am grateful for you and that you tune in every single week. Be well, take care and stay safe. Best wishes to you and your family. Did you miss something during the podcast? Maybe forgot to take notes? No worries, we've taken all the notes for you. All the resources, links and information in this episode you can find over at alisaconnor.com forward slash podcast. That's A-L-I-S-A-C-O-N-N-E-R dot com forward slash podcast.